little Toby Mac, huh? Yeah. You know, God's the one who turns water into wine, and he's the one that can make all things new. And every time I'm running empty, and I love the words in that song, you fill my cup up till it overflows, and it's the sweetest love I've ever known. Amen to that? Yeah. Before we uh, jump in, I want to ask, how many of you would say that God has blessed you? So, come on. We really are living uh, very, very blessed lives. Now, I'm going to ask a more awkward question, and it's okay to, to respond. How many of you would like to be even more blessed? So, oh, no, not me. Uh-uh. Yeah. I mean, how many of you would like to experience more of God's divine presence, would like to see God open up opportunities, make paths for you? You know, that's kind of my welcome to this series, Overflow. And, you know, we worship a God and serve a God of overflow. You know, Jesus made a very uh, counterintuitive statement one time. It's recorded uh, in the book of Acts, and it's all about overflow. It says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than receive. The problem is we live in a world, we live in a culture that would say, the more you get, the more you're blessed. And we're going to talk about that in more detail as we kind of get into this series. But here's my question. I mean, if that's true, the more you get, the more you're blessed, then explain to me why we live in one of the most blessed countries in the world. We're the, one of the most blessed generations that have ever walked this planet, and yet more people today are more dissatisfied, feel cheated, and deprived. What's up with that? I mean, friends, people get things wrong many, many times. I mean, you take a look at our, our world, and there is way too much hate and not enough love in this world. It seems to me that too many people uh, are, they're, have needs, and yet there's not enough opportunities or not enough supplies. In my estimation, there are way too, too much fear and not enough peace. And in the midst of the negativity and the struggles, I, I firmly believe this world needs Jesus more than it's ever needed Jesus. You know, I've, I've said this many times. I love faith fellowship. I mean, I love the heart of faith fellowship. And we haven't gotten everything right. You know, we've, we've tripped and stumbled along the way. But the one thing that we have gotten right is this church is generous. It's just generous. Even, even when we have faced significant challenges, and this church understands that principle that it's, it is more blessed to give than receive. 
And I, I have seen people throughout our history that have, have stepped up financially and in the midst of chaos, they'll just come and go, what's the church need? What do they need? Or regularly I have people come and say, is there someone I can help in the church? Can I do something? I want to do something for somebody. And even through the, the pandemic, I mean, when everything was constricting, Faith Fellowship continued to just be generous. I mean, it, it was kind of mind-blowing. I, I remember uh, getting together with, with other pastors, talking to them on the phone, and we're, we're all trying to figure out, like everybody else, how, to, how do we navigate, you know, through, through all of this. And I remember numerous pastors suggesting that the best way to, for, for survival was that you trim the sails. And they, they suggested stop supporting your missions, lay off staff, do whatever you got to do, just survive, just survive. And I fundamentally knew that that is not the answer. It made no sense to me. It, it was the wrong flow. And so this church, we continued to be generous. We, we kept going and giving fully uh, to, to honor our commitment to God, honor our commitment to our missions, so we continued to support them. And we didn't lay off staff. And in fact, during that time, we added two halftime positions. And it was just an understanding of being generous and, and moving forward into the future boldly this church has a history of getting the flow right. And I believe that's why God's continued to, to bless Faith Fellowship and to bless the ministries from here. You know, the fact is, that's how God works. It's how God works. Your focus will determine how you think. And those thoughts will determine how you live. And if you live with a thought in your head that, oh no, it, it might run out, you know, I, I, I gotta hold on to this, you'll go one direction in your life. If you live life thinking, you know what, there, there's more where that come from, you'll go a whole nother direction. It's a very different way, a different, different orientation. How you think will largely determine the impact that you have for God and God's kingdom. If you internalize Jesus' statement, it's more blessed to give than receive, I, I believe it's life-changing. It can change the direction of the flow. You can actually experience that overflowing, abundant life. You know, the, the heart of generosity is the key to that kind of life. You know, it, it's a mentality that when I look through Scripture, I mean, you see it throughout. You know, Proverbs 11, 24, and 25, it says, one person gives freely. You know, in, in other words, you know, you would think, okay, this person's going to have less, you know, but the Bible says one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another person withholds unduly. So, hey, I'm just using common sense here. And I'm thinking, okay, that person's going to have more. But it says, but comes to poverty. 
A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. The, the flow in life determines the overflow in life. I mean, it's a, it's a mentality that Paul, you hear Paul, he talks a lot about this. Paul, Paul starts out in uh, 2 Corinthians, he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I think Paul starts out with remember this. Uh, in the Greek, it's, it's almost like he's, he's screaming this. Pay attention, remember this. And I think he does it because we forget it. I mean, it's easy to forget, but any farmer understands the principle here. You know, if you uh, put out a few seeds in the ground, then what do you expect? You expect a smaller harvest. But if you put out a lot of seeds, you expect a large harvest. And that passage is specifically talking about finances, but I wouldn't limit it to that. You know, that principle, I think, applies to everything in life, you know, every single area. If, if you sow sparingly in your relationships, or if you sow sparingly with your time, or helping others, or with the kingdom of God, you'll, you'll reap sparingly. But if you sow generously in your relationships, in, with your time, or helping other people, or in the kingdom of God, then you reap generously. It's, it's the flow, it's the flow. In fact, I don't think it takes a, a business guru to understand that principle. The more you invest, the more you get back. And the less you invest, well, the, the, smaller, the smaller the return. Paul, he, he goes on, he goes, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I, I think we lose it a little bit in the English, but in the, in the Greek, that cheerful giver it actually is the word hilarious. You know, it's, it's uh, to be overjoyed. In other words, to have a mentality that says, wow, what a great opportunity I get to give. And, 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 I, 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 and so I've been so blessed, I'm going to do this. In fact, the Old Testament, if you read, read through it, they actually had feasts, entire parties, and they centered it around giving. And uh, they, they understood that they were blessed, and so they would go, let's have a party so we can give. Can you imagine that? Paul, Paul, he continues, he says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So all things, all times, all that you need, it, it's, it's the overflow Paul, Paul would summarize kind of at the end of the chapter. He goes, you know, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. You know, be rich in every way. So what's that mean? I mean, it's not, it's not just finances here. And I, and I know people get twisted with this whole thing. It's bigger than that. I mean, it, it, it certainly includes finances or material things, but... It could be the blessing of a relationship, a growing marriage, a, a family, a, a friendship. It might be uh, being emotionally blessed so that you've got peace and, and joy. 
Maybe uh, it's being blessed physically or vocationally in life. Why would God bless you or bless me? Well, it says that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So I want you to imagine that a heart of generosity, that it touches the, the lives of people around you. You know, generosity that, that's so great that people in another part of the world would praise God for generosity. I was thinking about, we did the boxes, and there will be children in other places in the world that will just be excited and thankful because of work that was done here. You know, I, I thank God often because th this church is generous and has a passion for Jesus Christ. And so I, I was sitting thinking about that this week, and then I started wondering, I'm like, well, why isn't everybody generous? Because it, it really, it pours back to you. And, and I think there's a few reasons. I think too many people kind of have what I would call a big bag of money kind of mentality. And you go, well, what's, what's that mean? Well, we got a big bag of money, you know. It's what Haggai talks about. You're harv you harvest less than you planted. You never have enough to eat or drink. Your clothes don't keep you warm. I, I, I would say your clothes aren't stylish. You know. Your wages are stored in a bag, what? Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> Anybody relate to that? You put the money in and you're like, whoa, where's where's it going? You know. I can't get ahead. That that's how we usually put it. You know, just when I think I'm getting there, something happens. You know, if you're not careful, that can become a lifestyle. See, it starts in the mind. And as you think, it becomes a cycle. It actually, it actually becomes your life at some point. You start living it. Well, I've, I've got a bag here, but it keeps emptying. God supplies what you and I need. And in fact, every good, perfect gift, it comes from God. God supplies, and then we consume, right? I mean, we consume, and after we consume, then, then we start to lack. We're like, oh, I, I spent too much, you know. Where, where's, where's the next thing going to come from? And then we start to fear at some point. And it's a cycle of supply, consume, and fear. Supply, consume, and fear. And fear is what fuels consumption, honestly. And, and you see it play out. You ever notice if the news says there's going to be a shortage of something? Everybody goes nuts. I mean, crazy. And, and they panic. And, and they start hoarding, which what's that do? It just accelerates the whole process. And so people, people are afraid that they're going to run out, and so they run out and buy it, and they go, there might not be enough. I better get, I better get more of this. And it just gets weird. I'll, I'll be honest. I remember several years ago I was at Walmart, 
And uh, I saw a guy, and he had, he had six or eight boxes of Velveeta cheese. And, and I'm a talker in the store. If I see someone, so I go, I go well, you, you must like Velveeta cheese. <laughs> and and uh, he, he goes, well, not really. And I'm like, oh? And uh, he goes, yeah, I haven't had Velveeta for like 10 years. But he goes, I, I, I saw that they're going to be shutting the plant down. And, and uh, they, they say they're going to run out. So I thought, I better stock up. And I'm like, what? You don't like Velveeta? I mean, in my head, I didn't say that to him. I go, oh, yeah, it makes sense to me. Um, <clears throat> then I loaded my cart up. Uh, but <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> it's a scarcity mentality. And it, it can drive you. You, you, you operate... From, from a different mentality, and I believe you can, but it's a, it's a choice. See, we are called by God to live from the perspective of abundance because of who God is. You know, abundance by definition, it's the belief that there is more, that, that there is more where that came from. The, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's writing to, to you and I when, when he pins these words. But he says, he says this, <clears throat> Ephesians 3.20, he says, Now to him who is able to do far more beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that's at work within what? Within us. To him. Be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, Christ followers, scarcity is fiction. It is not true. It is not rational. You know, God is able to do abundantly more than enough, more than we need, when, when we live in opposition to that. We move against the flow of God. Abundance has nothing to do with how much money you got in your bank account or how much Velveeta you got in your pantry. But it has everything to do with how you think, your mindset. It has everything to do with who you put on the throne in your life and who you trust. You know, Jesus gave, gave a warning he says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it what? Abundantly. Prince, you were created to live life abundantly. So, so how do you protect yourself? I mean, how do you protect yourself from that negative vibe, so to speak, that, that mindset that, uh, of scarcity? The fact is that it, it steals, it kills, and ultimately destroys. You know, there's a, a New Testament guy who really got into what was in the bag. You know, he was always checking out the money in the bag. His name was Judas. I mean, Judas took care of the money bag for Jesus and the disciples. He was the one they had to go to, and they go, hey, we want to do this. And he would look and see if they had the money to do what they wanted to do. 
And so he was in charge of that. He'd, he'd decide what they could buy, not buy, which, which explains why when a woman one day was so moved by Jesus that she broke open the expensive bottle of perfume and she poured it on his feet. I mean, it was an act of worship for her. But Judas, I mean, all he could see, all he could think about was the money, the money. I mean, the money that could have been put in the bag. You know, the perfume, I mean, it was worth uh, close to a year's wages. Think about that. And all he could see was waste. He couldn't see the worship. He didn't see a need. You know, I think that's the, the struggle. You know, that, that bag of money mentality. It, it's, it's what people give for reasons why they don't tithe or give, you know. Why? Well, more concerned about what's in the bag than honoring and worshiping God. See, we can get caught up with the bag. That, that mindset, oh, you know, we'll, we'll give when we have more. Uh, just a FYI, not true. Not true. You get more than be, well, when I have more, when I have more. You know, the economy's really tight. You know, my kids are really expensive right now. You know, I, I, I would love to when I have more in the bag. And that mindset, well, that's where a lot of people like to, to they keep looking in the bag. It's the mindset that owns them. There's another mentality. I, I think it's much more exciting but it's a basket mentality. You know, this is the person that understands that abundance comes from God. They understand that God can be trusted, that, that the flow, they, they get it, the, the blessings, they get them, and then they give. They give in response to that. And, and so it, it changes how you look at things. You know, Jesus told a story one time, Luke uh, 6, 38. He says, give and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus was talking about basket. Now, I know the word basket isn't in there, but he was talking about basket. Uh, farmers in that day, they would have understood the implications of that, that story. You know, when it was, uh, the grain was ready to be harvested, so... Farmer, farmer would gather workers together, and the workers would be given a basket, and they would go out, and they would fill that basket with grain, and they would carry it where it was supposed to be stored. There were two types of workers in that day. There were those that were merely there for a paycheck. Imagine that, you know. They'd, they'd fill the basket. They'd put some grain in it but they wouldn't press it down. They wouldn't shake it up. And because they didn't want it to get very heavy, you know, because if you press it down and shake it up, well, then you gotta put more on and you can keep doing that for a little bit until you've got a full, full load, which was heavy. They didn't wanna work that hard, and so they didn't. But the other workers, they would press it down. They would shake it up. They would get in as much in that basket till it was filled to the brim, and then they would carry as much as possible every single trip that they took with the grain. And so 
the, the owners would notice, and those workers, they realized, were of great benefit because they were actually doing the job that they were called to do. And so they, there would come a time in, in the harvest that the owner would go, you know what, they're of so much benefit to me, I'm going to give them a basket and allow them to fill it with as much grain as they could possibly put in it. And out of the leftovers, they could take that home with them. See, the grain was overflowing. Friends, we serve a God of overflow. We serve a God of abundance. We serve a God that gives us the basket and says, fill it up, fill it up. I'll fill it up for you, overflowing, overflowing. You know, one day Jesus, he was uh, teaching, and I think he went a little longer than expected. Can you imagine that? (laughs) And and so there was a crowd, maybe 10, 15,000. The disciples went to Jesus, and they're like, yeah, people are getting hungry now. And Jesus said, well, feed them. (laughs) There's only 10, 15,000 of them? Go ahead. And so the disciples are like, what? You got to be kidding me. I mean, first of all, where are we going to go? We're in the middle of the desert. There's nowhere to go buy food. And then a few of the disciples, they, they start objecting. They go, well, it would take like a half year's wages to feed all these people. Sounds like a bag of money mentality, by the way. Andrew, Andrew, he, he finds a boy who had brought his lunch with him that day, five small loaves of bread, two fish. This little boy freely gives it, but I want you to imagine if he had had that uh, kind of bag mentality. Hey, is that your lunch? I don't have any food. What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, I can see you've got a bag of lunch with you. Well, it's mine. It's my happy meal. I brought it. You should have brought your own meal. But this boy had a basket mentality. If God needs it, I'll give it. And he did. I mean, very, very simple faith. He gave all that he had. And Scripture says Jesus took that happy meal and he prayed and miraculously fed the entire crowd. I mean, it's an amazing story. The scripture says afterwards that the disciples went around and gathered up what was left over. Twelve baskets of food were left over. God of overflow. God of abundance. God that takes whatever we give and it just magnifies it. You know, when we give, God works. The heart of generosity is when you finally realize you actually do have more than you need. You know, when, when you see a need, you, you don't even have to think about it. You just respond. You, you jump in. You go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a difference here. See, basket overflowing. And then there's one more mindset. And, and I pray that because of your faith, Some of you actually experience this in your life, but it's a barn mentality. You know, Deuteronomy, uh, the 28th chapter, says, 
the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. Hmm. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he's given you. I want you to imagine you're faithful with what's in the bag. And then at some point you go, you know what, I'm going to be faithful with the basket. And then one day, the barn's overflowing. You know, Joseph, Old Testament Joseph, not Jesus' dad, coat of many colors, Joseph. There was a, a time when famine hit. And Joseph, remember, he's faithful. He's been faithful through and through. He's faithful, and God elevates him out of the pit initially. And then he's faithful when he's in prison. He just trusted God. God took him from prison to the palace. Now he's like second in charge in Egypt. This, this famine is just decimating the country. And Joseph goes, I got barns. I got barns that are overflowing. And he feeds everyone in Egypt. Jesus said this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. You know, whoever's dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? When you're faithful, God sees it. God always blesses faith. You know, and, and don't misunderstand me. I, I understand giving, it, it's kind of a process. It, it's, uh, you, you kind of grow over time. But, it, but here's the question that I think God, God would ask. How much can he bless you with? A little different way of looking at things, isn't it? How much could he bless you with? Bag? Basket? Barn? Because they're each a mentality. And it's a growing mentality. You know, Jesus told, told a story. He said, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. That sounds like a great problem. Yeah. It's like, this guy has an abundance. He, he's trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do with all, all this? And, and he thinks about it long enough, and he finally comes up with a plan. Yeah. And his plan, he says, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones, and there I'll store my, my surplus grain, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. This guy's contemporary. I need bigger, better, faster, you know. I need newer, you know. I need the coolest thing. Sometimes people get so blessed, they no longer have time for God. Got to go play with my new stuff. Got to go do this. Don't have time. Friends, sometimes we think about the stuff in the barn 
I got so much stuff. Well, it's mine. It belongs to me. Me, me, me. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Now, I'll be honest. Every time I read this story, it, it, it sets me back, for one. But I realize God's not mad at him or angry because he, he's blessed because God blessed him. God, God's the one that, that gave him everything that he had. I, I think God's upset because he wasn't generous. You know, he, he wasn't using the, the blessings the way God thought they should be used. He, he had all these blessings, barn blessings, but he had a bag mentality. And I know how this goes, because we hear something like that and we go, well, I, I don't have barn blessings, <laughs> seriously, you know. I, I've, in fact, I don't even know if I've got a bag blessing. I've got to get, get this. Friends, you live in America. We are the most blessed people on the planet. You know, even at, our very, at the very, very bottom, if you go, well, I'm here we're still blessed beyond, beyond measure in this, when you look at the rest of the world. And I believe it is very, very easy to just dismiss and not see those barn blessings and live with a eh, bag mentality. The key to the overflow it's generosity. It's generosity. It is more blessed to give than receive, period. You'll never convince me any different. A generous life is a life that touches other people, changes the people around them. Change your life, probably. Change mine. So, let, let, let's have a word of prayer together. God, you are the God of overflow. And God, I pray that um, just all of us would realize how immensely blessed we are. I could spend the day, Lord, all the ways you've blessed. And you just keep filling it up anyway. There'd be more to give thanksgiving for. God, I pray that um, we'd just be people with generous hearts, that we would learn the, the joy that's found in that, the peace, the, just the promises that are ours and when, when we just live freely, helping others, reaching out, you know, being generous with whatever you've given us, Generous with our time, generous with what uh, financially we've got, generous to realize we were given opportunities and to help others find those opportunities. 
God, I thank you for this church. I pray that uh, we'd be known for our generosity, that people would give thanks to you because of what we do. God, we just give you the glory and the praise this day and every day. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. God's people said, let's worship together. There'll be prayer teams down front. Uh, You need prayer this morning. They'd be glad to pray with you. So.